Welcome to a new episode of Two Pillars Podcast, Motivation for the Mind and Spirit. Today we talk about, or we try to answer the question, which crowd will you stand by? We all choose throughout different moments in our lives to stand by different crowds for different type of beliefs, different types of events in our lives. And really the, the crowd that you choose to stand by really makes a difference in the path and your journey that you end up taking. First, let's start with a reading from the book of Daniel, chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of God that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, scyther, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of God, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent that the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Thanks be to God. Can you imagine the, in that position or in any position, how many times are you put in a position where you have to choose the path or the crowd you follow? One being the more popular one, maybe the easier route, and the other one being the less popular but the correct route, the route of values, the route of kindness, the route of grace. In this example, Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage when anyone dared to disobey his commands, and they knew he would. As supreme ruler of Babylon, he expected absolute obedience, but his pride has caused him to go beyond his own authority. Although his demands were unjust and his reactions extreme, if you find yourself angered when people don't follow your directions, ask yourself, why am I reacting? Your ego may be overly involved with your authority. The three men were given one more chance. They could have easily come up with multiple excuses in order to bow down to the image and save their lives. They could have bowed down, but not actually worshipped the idol. They could have, you know, thought to themselves, well, the king has absolute power and we have to obey him. God will understand. 
the king appointed us. We owe this to him. They could have talked themselves into it by thinking, our ancestors set up idols in God's temple. This isn't half bad. We're not hurting anyone. We can't get killed because, you know, if we get killed, some other pagans may take our high positions and this won't help our people in exile. These would have all, of course, been excuses. And although excuses sound sensible at first, they become dangerous rationalizations. To fall down and worship the image would violate God's command in Exodus. You shall have no other gods before me. It would erase their testimony for God forever. What excuses do you use for not standing up to him? I know there has been times where I chose the, I would say, popular route versus the less popular route. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were pressured to deny God, but they chose to be faithful to him no matter what happened. They trusted God to deliver them. If we do it through our actions and kindness, empathy, and love, what ways are you tempted to compromise your faith in order to be accepted by others? What do you think motivated Nebuchadnezzar to build this image of gold? You know, all these stories have one thing in common. All the main characters believed in God. Their belief in his goodness outranked their knowledge and their pain and fear. They followed their heart instead of doing what was easier and following the crowd. Often to learn what is correct, we look at what other people are doing. We look at the popular crowd. In his best-selling book, Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, Psychologist Robert Cialdini writes, whether the question is what to do with an empty popcorn box in a movie theater, how fast to drive on a certain stretch of highway, or how to eat the chicken at a diner, the actions of those around us will be important in defining the answer. Social proof is a shortcut to decide how to act. The problem is sometimes social proof is wrong. The crowd is wrong. Oftentimes, there are multiple crowds, and each crowd believes in their own right. And, you know, so often I listen to one news media or I read one article, and it sounds logical. Their way of thinking sounds right. But then you change into another channel, and all of a sudden, you know what? Their way sounds right, too. So it, it often is dependent on who you choose to hang out with, who, wh- what kind of media you choose to listen to. We live in a world that judges too quickly and sets sentences without listening to both sides. What crowd should you follow? Albert Einstein said it, put it well. The one who follows the crowd will usually get no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find themselves in places no one has ever been before. Instead of following a crowd, use the teachings in the Bible to guide your heart. Just like the story today, following the crowd may give you rewards short term, but in the end, it leads to emptiness and false rewards. Before you choose to follow a group or jump on the social bandwagon, let's look at what the Bible teaches us about false teachers. 
I think the same principle can apply to wrong crowds. First Timothy chapter six, verse three says, when Christ said by their fruit, we would recognize them. Clearly one of those fruits is their teaching. When evaluating a preacher or teacher, we must consider his or her doctrine. In verse three, Paul gives several characteristics of false doctrine. Often one, false doctrine often teaches rebellion. Two, false doctrine disagrees with the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what he taught, what he displayed from his behavior. He taught to love God above all else. This means putting him first and relying on him above all. Not a human, not a not a political party, but him. Jesus taught to love others. He taught grace. He taught reflection before reaction. The gospels filled, the gospels are filled with examples that often when put in a tough situation or asked a tough question, he would remain silent before reacting to the situation. And especially he taught forgiveness. There was no one in the gospel that Jesus decided was unforgivable. I love this story in John chapter 8 verses 1 to 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Amen. Neither do I condemn you. How often do I fall into that trap of condemning before understanding or forgiving? The wrong crowd does not agree with godly teaching. When testing doctrine or beliefs, ask, does it lead to holiness? Does it teach correct Christology? Does it agree with scripture? Before following your crowd, ask yourself, what is the real motive behind this crowd? Is it for personal profit, personal gain? Does it help serve a message of love or hate? Does the crowd, the leader, focus on his contributions, his attributes, versus the crowd or the people 
he is promising or, or preaching to serve. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were pressured to deny God, but they chose to be faithful to him no matter what happened. They trusted God to deliver them, but they were determined to be faithful regardless of the consequences. The New Testament teaches us that it's our actions that truly show what our beliefs are. It's through our actions that someone will judge what it means to be a Christian. What are your actions showing the world? I don't even come close to the strength of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's faith in following the best crowd, those who follow Christ. I have been quick to judge the judgment and action of others, and I have gotten into arguments with those who oppose my views. It's not about being perfect. No one is. It's about doing your best to living a life of love, servitude, grace, and forgiveness. It's a journey towards a longer destination. But with the right habits and being intentional about being around the right crowd, you can get closer every day. And whichever crowd you follow, look at the crowd that follows us. Jesus's five messages to love God above all else to love others practice grace reflect before reacting and forgiveness thanks for listening to two pillars podcast with Alita Torres if you like what you just heard please subscribe and leave us a positive review on iTunes. It is really the best way you can support this podcast as it helps to reach other listeners. Join me next time for another episode of Two Pillars Podcast.